Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the 16 Millimeter Film Crew Podcast. I'm Cindy. And I'm Dale. You can watch us on YouTube. You can like our videos and subscribe to our YouTube channel. You can support us on Anchor for bonus content. You can listen to us on iTunes, Google Music, and Spotify at 16 Millimeter Film Crew Podcast. You can follow us on Twitter at 16 Millimeter Crew Podcast and on Instagram at 16 Millimeter Crew. So this week we are reviewing the entirety of The Boys season two. We touched on it. We touched on a few episodes earlier last month, but now that the season is over, we're going to kind of go over everything, give our thoughts, um, maybe give some predictions about what we want for season three. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it's really exciting. So how did you feel about the season? Um, <laughs> this season threw me for a loop. I kind of figured I knew what to expect off the first season. Um, but this, and especially with the reveal of Stormfront and having that back knowledge, this, they kind of, kind of threw a big twist into it in a way. I mean, with Stormfront, they did reveal like the creator of Vaughts, his Nazi ties in a so-so way without actually saying Vaught was started by Nazis. Just Vaught ended up pitting it just on her and how they did flip the actual villain or they give us a taste of the villain for hopefully season three and so forth with um the reveal at the end which i don't want to give away this early but yeah that really well executed to hide that secret the way they did you know yeah i agree i didn't know how they were gonna top season one because season one was pretty good um but there were moments during the season where my jaw literally dropped and I couldn't believe what I was seeing. I was in shock. Like, and I haven't, I haven't had that reaction to many shows. So the fact that this show really did it, I mean, the social commentary was like on another level this season. And I think that's really what gave this show the boost. Cause I mean, Thinking about superheroes and if superheroes are evil can kind of dry out pretty quickly. So mm-hmm. the fact that they had all of this stuff that it was touching a little too close to home. <laughs> it was a little too real for me because, you know, it, did, it felt a little too similar. Mm-hmm. But it was so good. And also, I think giving these superheroes a lot of depth and just the writing, the writing and the performances are probably the strongest parts of this show. Um especially Homelander. Wow, what a character. Like, I'll never get bored watching that man. I'll never get no. bored. None. <laughs> never. Um, yeah. No, I was I was saying, like, this is the weird case of usually, I feel like this series and how it works as a commentary for society right now, mm. I do think it will continue to get better and better as the show continues or whenever they feel like they've hit their conclusion. Um, I loved how the um the story picks up like months or weeks later, and you see the disillusion of Starlight and Huey's relationship, and then how it kind of reforms again, mm-hmm. in a way, and how she, you know, like ebbs the ebbs and flows of it. You know, everybody's like with the first season. The first season was mostly focusing on Butcher and Homelander for the most part, but then with this season, everybody got their part. 
you have Frenchie and um, Kikio, which I I'm not a I'm not a fan of because like she's an amazing actress, mm. but it's like the second time we've seen her in a non-speaking role. Yeah, like in Suicide Squad, she played Katana and didn't speak. In the show, she's not speaking. Mm. Let her talk. And if you <laughs> actually, and when you watch her interviews, she's really a very bubbly person. So mm-hmm. but yeah, she's awesome. Let, yeah. let her talk. Um. Mm-hmm. You see the continuation of Huey and um, Starlight, their relationship, how it dissolved, how it comes back together. You see the Homelander, Homelander kind of dealing with this attempt to form a family that he never had with his son. You see Stormfront's issues. You see Homeland, uh, Billy still pushing to get his wife back and her not wanting because she realizes he's not going to change in the way she wants him to change. Mm. And you have the deep trying to get back on the seven his whole PR spin, which I love perfectly. It reminds me of those um celebrity notepad notes they put on Twitter or Instagram when they've done something wrong. Oh yeah. The apologies. <laughs> so, like, yeah, the little apologies. Yeah. Like, yeah, I raped a couple of men, but I'm getting married now. So I'm a good guy. <laughs> you know? yeah. And people ate that up. I loved mm-hmm. A Train's A Train's kind of maintains being an unlikable character in a way. Mm-hmm. Which sucks because it's the only other black character outside of um Mother's Oak. But mm-hmm. his character goes from being an accomplice in Homelander's schemes in the first season to I'm just trying to get back on the seven. Everybody else be damned in a way. Like I'm gonna use mm-hmm. the deep. Knowing the deep is kind of not there in a way. Mm-hmm. But yeah, everybody <laughs> got their own story arc in the season, which I felt was a good touch. Yeah. Even being yeah. Oh, yeah, her stuff was so... Well, I was going to say we can kind of go through kind of the highlights of season two, what was our favorite parts. I know mine's definitely was the girls get it done whole synopsis. <laughs> like, that was so good. And it's so real of how people in corporations try to take advantage of, like, this strong woman empowerment movement and try to make mm-hmm. it and form it to something that's not legit, like, just to get... It's because it's what people want at the moment or what seems it's cool. Yeah. And I also loved that beginning, uh, that intro piece with the guy who's like on the internet the entire time. And he's like living mm-hmm. and breathing like hate messages all day, every day. And it eventually mm-hmm. leads him to like killing. Uh, not sure. He killed the a Middle Easterner. Yeah. I'm not. Yeah. From that yeah. region. Um, and just, it, it's just so, because that literally, ha- let me tell you something. Watching this show and then watching like documentaries about Scientology and about fake news and stuff like that, it correlates perfectly about how like these people can really get in their heads about this type of stuff and be so mm-hmm. easily manipulated that they will actually commit acts of violence. Like it's really crazy. But yeah. That whole that whole commentary was amazing. I love Mother's Milk. That whole episode where they're talking about hate and how hate kind of motivates most of the members of the boys to keep doing what they're doing mm-hmm. and, like, cutting that off and exposing that. I love that episode. But, yeah, this whole, I mean, that fake Justice, what, Justice League movie that they tried to do was hilarious. <laughs> but I definitely think Homelander was maybe one of the most interesting him and Billy Billy Butcher are really interesting and I like their kind of 
dyna- not dynamics because they're kind of the same, but not really because they're both evil, but like in different ways. Um, yeah. But I liked that Homelander had a very like a he's just trying he's like he's trying to figure out how to be a human and how to accept love, but he doesn't know how to do it. Like he. Like if it doesn't work out for him, he just freaks out. Like when he burned his trailer and the entire set to the ground. Like, yeah, he's he's just he's a child. Like he's a child. He's not yeah. handle, does not process his emotions properly. Like the ending right. where he's like, I can do whatever I want. Everybody loves me. And he's there. I was like, but, what is this? I thought that last. That last shot was funny because you always get that iconic picture of Sierra heroes overlooking their city at night with their cape one, and he's there just pleasuring himself. I love, I love those little touches to show deliveries on stuff like that. Yeah, um, yeah. Like, okay. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, and I love bully. There was a moment in the season where he has like a conversation with his dad, and you feel you find out more about his life and his brother and his connection, like. I understand why he feels so connected to Huey and why um, Starlight feels so connected to him. Like, mm-hmm. they're really just looking out for the kid because they feel like... So. <laughs> I'm not going to say he's useless, but, like, he doesn't I really... Think, I'm not sure what he brings to the table. I don't think he brings... Humanity. Like, Mother's Milk did say the point was he's your canary. Like, miners that go into caves, they have canaries, canary dies, and he's toxic fumes to me. Like, I feel like with Huey, like, with uh, Homelander's, not Homelander, but Billy Butcher's situation with his father and his brother and him, he became disillusioned and only time he was actually functioning like the way a normal person should was when he was with Rebecca. And then he lost Rebecca. And then with, um, with, 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 um, Starlight, her whole thing and her compass was her morals and her religious background and stuff like that but that crumbled when she realizes it was all a, a cult in a way and they're also trying to groom young impressionable superheroes to look squeaky clean images in a way mm-hmm. so both those characters between the ways what her parents have done to him became disillusioned where it's weird huey doesn't have that even though he mentions his mom at least when he's like nine but his 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 reaction with mom leaving isn't as negative as the situations between Starlight and her mother and Billy and her father and his father. Like he's mm-hmm. kind of serves as that basically he serves as Starlight Starlight in a way. So <laughs> Okay, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I think that's yeah. what Billy brings to the table. Because he has no use. This is he, he, yeah, has he no was use. just like he's just kind of there. <laughs> um but I I like Starlight's journey of like, you know, kind of not believing and having to go to certain extents just to like get freedom and get out of that situation. But then ultimately kind of coming back around a little bit, like trying to find the hope in all the destruction of what this world is. Mm -hmm. I loved Queen Maeve's whole storyline. I thought that was really good. I feel like she was more used this season than she was last season. Um, Yeah. Her storyline was great. I think it's interesting because, like, you don't... I don't think I really knew what her and Homelander's dynamic was early on. Like, it, like I knew they'd been together. Like, they were teammates for, my, for a long time before we meet them. Yeah. And seeing kind of how he's had so much control over her life, 
that she feels like she couldn't even be herself or she can be with the person that she loved. And then coming out of that and still end up losing that person she loved because of Homelander and because of that whole situation on the airplane, like, and then still trying to help people and find her way back. Like, I feel like this season was about people like finding their way back, like finding their way back to some type of hope, some type of like before the world turned to crap. Like, yeah. that's what I felt this was about, which was a, it's a really timely message just because like if everything that's going on in the world right now, I feel like it, there doesn't seem like there is a light at the end of the tunnel, but mm-hmm. little by little bit trying to find your way back that's that light is like what I got from the show. Yeah. I think in that regard, you're right. in that reflection, because I think, you know, culture, I shouldn't say culture, society have a thing of the more knowledge you gain, the more become woke in a way. And it mm-hmm. seems to me like the more I learn, the more disillusioned I become. Mm-hmm. Which is what we saw with Starlight and everybody else, the more they learned about actual superhero culture, like that, that idea of becoming a superhero is it just, you just fall into a sink. Like, mm-hmm. between Queen Maeve's and Homelander's experience, or Queen Maeve's experiences with Homelander, which honestly is a form of abuse. Mm-hmm. You know, she's basically being held cat by Homelander, if they're being honest. Um, mm-hmm. She like, she goes, like, alcohol and sex and stuff to fill that void mm-hmm. she can't deal with, so... Yeah. And it also is another thing, like how it shows you how once the characters reveal people reveal their sexuality, either no mm-hmm. longer be straight but bi or gay, and how it becomes a marketable quantity for a lot mm-hmm. of businesses. Like when they're meeting with the person who's supposed to be their handler for the seven, she's like, I'm bi. And like, no, we're gonna mark you as gay. Like right. that's, that's what's and that's what's cool. You know, yeah, stuff it's like easy that. people to understand. Okay, girl. Yeah. Yeah. So, <laughs> so um, let's talk about this finale, finale episode. I was on the edge of my bed the entire time. I was like, I don't know what's going to happen. Someone's going to die. Like, <laughs> it was crazy. Mm-hmm. So what happens? I think they start off kind of getting things together because they're like, we're about to just kill all the soups. Yeah. And for some reason, they thought that was a good idea. But I'm like, if you guys could have killed the soups now, like, why couldn't you kill them before? Like, is this really the solution I mean, that we're taking? I'm not, I'm that, confused. That wasn't their plan. Their original plan was just to kill Homelander and expose Vought, and that's failed multiple times. So, know what? We're going to prove that heroes can be killed, you know? Like the whole Batman, you know, do okay. you bleed Superman kind of thing, you know? So. And none of them have know. superpowers. Well, except Kimiko and. Yeah, and Starlight. And Starlight, so. yeah. Yeah, which, so that's how, that's how this joint starts. Which I do think them not having powers is a better is a better thing, because in the comics, like, you've seen them in the show test Compound D on adults and how it doesn't work. Mm-hmm. In the comics, they kind of did the same thing, but every member of the boys took the injection, and they all have power. Oh, okay. Like, in the comic book, like they're basically they go on a beat down and they beat up other superhero groups and anything. So I think it's I think that's one of the this show does a good thing of taking portraits of the comics and like picking and choosing perfectly mm-hmm. to fit the narrative, which I think is a really good touch. Yeah. I think the mission to get what Becca and her son mm-hmm. really scared me. I was like, oh my God, I don't know what's gonna happen. 
Things, I think the, things are going yeah. Through. yeah. I think the most shocking thing was when Homelander goes into the cabin and all of those officers are there and he just, he just murders them. He murders every single mm-hmm. one. And he's just like covered in blood. I was like, how do you, my thing is like, how long is he going to be able to keep this up without people figuring out who he is? You know what I'm saying? Like, how long can you pretend to be this guy? Like, I'm wondering when, I think he's going to, like, just be like, forget it. I'm just going to be evil. Because, I mean, what other option is there? Like, you've killed so many people, like, at this point. How has, how mean, no one, how, how has no one found out by this point? That's, what that's my question. The thing is, I guess they recently revealed, like, because they didn't get renewed for a third season. Mm-hmm. Like, so they revealed that in this upcoming third season, uh, Homelander is going to be a lot more homicidal. So, mm-hmm. and the cracks were kind of always there throughout the whole show from mm-hmm. the reveal that the lady he killed, he's been like, having somebody impersonate her to give him comfort and stuff like that. Um, And it went away with Stormfront. But once Stormfront was gone, it went you know, sideways once again. So. Yeah, and let's talk about Stormfront because, wow, I hated her so deeply. Like, every time her face showed up on screen, I was just like, can you just die now? And she's not dead. So, I don't know what to do about that. I mean, okay, so I was I was not shocked by the whole Stormfront reveal, as I said before. Um, I do like how the she show she is basically the how should I describe it? Her character and how she goes about stuff is kind of how they set up the reveal at the end episode. In a way, they're they're both playing the same role. Her and mm-hmm. that, that reveal that we're gonna we're gonna talk about later. They mm-hmm. both feel that same the same deal. They're giving facades of peace and uh the whole social justice warrior kind of thing was storefront where she's up front like people should be able to do this people should be able to do that but when she's saying people she doesn't mean people she means white people only mm-hmm. in a way she's basically saying the quiet part out loud out loud in a way mm-hmm. to make herself seem more approachable and more agreeable and get people on her side um but yeah i wasn't I wasn't surprised about her her getting her come off come off in a way. Um, I'm not surprised that for some reason Vought did keep her alive, or they said they captured her and keep her in facility. Surprised mm. she's not dead. Um, yeah. because for Vought, she is a commodity now. She's the first hero who mm-hmm. got turned as an adult, and she's also basically immortal in a way. So for them, that's a commodity they don't want to get rid of. Her blood, everything is valuable for them. You know? Yeah. Being that a bot's been trying to be able to turn adults into heroes. She is the first successful hero and the first successful adult to become one. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, she, yeah, but she pissed me off. <laughs> Every step of the way, oh. she pissed me off. Oh, of um, course. I think her whispering that, like, German, I don't know what that was at the end while she was, like, laying, dying. I said, this is creepy. <laughs> I'm done with it. Just shut up. Like, I'm done. But yeah. I loved 
that. See, here's what I didn't like. I didn't like that after we get through reveal that she's basically a Nazi. Basically, she is one. Um, they tried to like humanize her by say, like giving her a child or like saying that she her daughter died or whatever. I was like, girl, ain't nobody care about that. Like, <laughs> you just killed my black my black friend in the car for no reason. I don't care that you had a child. I don't like but you. That's like, what that's what they always do. Think about it this way. Somebody on Twitter said, um, every time a white person murders their family, they always show that nice family portion of them all together. Not the booking photo when cops are arrested. You know, mm. it's it's one of those humanization tactics. So it's like, oh, I'm a it Nazi, but oh, it didn't work. Like, it, it didn't, didn't work. work. Like, she's a Nazi, but oh, she's immortal, but her daughter just died at uh, 80 years old. Now she's sad. Aww. Yeah, we don't. We don't so, care, so. But I nah. did love when um, Starlight and Maeve were just, and Kimiko were just beating the crap out of her. That was my favorite scene. Yeah. Oh, it felt so like good. It felt so that good. That goes back to your girl power thing. Girls get it done. Um, I love that. How the first, the movie and the interview stuff was manufactured, mm-hmm. and this one was a natural occurrence. Yeah. You know, I do feel like it was a low-key shot at, you know, what Marvel has been trying to do with their women superheroes. Like, mm. Black Widow is finally getting a movie, even though it's being pushed back because of COVID. But hey, Black, people, <laughs> Black Widow is getting a movie after the whole cinematic story arc has done. Mm. And we got to retroactively put her story in a movie. You know, it's kind of kind of that situation, like how they did with the Avengers Endgame. How, yeah, all the female heroes, you got a, a, a one-minute scene fighting. Mm. Yeah, I just, I don't know. I like that at the end of the day, when women get together, we're dope. What um, I was, I guess, a little bit shocked by is that Billy decided to not give up Becca and the child. I mean, not give up. Because remember, he was going to give up the son. Um, in order to get Becca, and he was just gonna tell her like, "Oh well, if if you love him, you won't see him ever again." And then he decided to not do that. You know, he's but the bot. I'm not surprised though, because the season set up when he interacted with his father, his whole thing about his brother and his father. So once she Becca was like, "Hey, swear on her dead brother," I'm like, "This man has just shown that his loved his brother enough, and that's an issue for him." That's mm-hmm. like I was like, he's gonna either. Either he doesn't tell Vought and they just escape, or he tells Vought like something was going to happen. Like it, that whole sequence of events was happening too perfectly. Like there was no way they were going to get away. You know, mm-hmm. the, the something was going to happen. Yeah. I'm happy he didn't give him the Vought he gave to Mallory. Yeah. So that was yeah. a good idea, and yeah. that the son actually ended up killing his mom. That was sad, but I did. I did like that. I you saw that. Kind of, hmm? Oh, go see me go, go, go. Oh, I was just saying. I kind of. I kind of knew that she was going to die, though. Yeah, somebody so, was going to die. Like, I, I thought. I yeah. I, I thought, thought either Billy was going to die. Like I said, "Don't you dare! Don't you dare kill him! Don't you dare do that!" And they didn't. know. I was like, "Okay, thank you." <laughs> I do like that that touch of you know you see billy's kind of internal anguish like you kill my love of my life is dead you know woman i love the woman i've been looking for in the past x amount of years is 
not dead because of the hands of the super. Like he doesn't even think of him as a little boy who lost his mom. He thinks his head is like he's a super. He's just like Homelander. And then only reason he snaps out of it is he remembers Rebecca saying there's good in him. You know, and her not wanting like and her saying the only reason Homelander is the way he is is because Homelander had no Homelander had no parents. And his decision to, you know, not, you know, kill the kid is due to, you know, Rebecca being like a conscience to him, like saying there's good in him or whatever. So and clearly looking at the kid, I think he did realize the kid was like it was hurting him just as much. Like you lost a wife, he lost a mother. Like mm-hmm. that's, y'all are gonna have to bond, and you know, that's y'all's you know thing. Yeah, I did think it was interesting that Homelander cared more about his image to the public than being a father to that kid. Are we though? No, no, no. I, I, no. I think it's a twofold thing. I think. He cares about his image in a way, but the moments when he was actually having to care for the kid, he's like, I don't know how to talk to him, you know, because Homelander doesn't know how to interact with adult uh, period, people, period. He has no social skills. So when the kid's like, oh, I'm alone, I'm bored, he just walks out of the room and like, I don't know how to communicate to this person, you know. And it wasn't until, yeah, as bad as this evil Nazi queen is, she tells him, you know, you have to be a parent and dog man because, you know, she was a parent. And he kind of gets those human aspects in caring for Ryan. Mm-hmm. In a way, you see once the kid freaks out and can't handle crowds, he instantaneously says, what's wrong? Realizes there's something wrong and flies away with it. You know? So, yeah, like, that's what I'm saying. So it's not like he's incapable of taking care of him. He just yeah. decided that it was not important. Like, <laughs> that's my thing. I was like, because we spent the whole season with him trying to, like, figure this kid out and, like, be a father. And for it to just be like, you know what, I'm going to release a video of you killing everyone on this plane or, you know, you know what I'm saying? Instead of you staying with Brian or killing Billy. Yeah. He was like, I, mean, I, I don't think I in that, that moment, he was. He, I don't think at that moment he was thinking about his image with Ryan because he himself said, oh, I'll just kill you both. I don't care. You know what I'm saying? It wasn't, he wasn't thinking. But that's what I'm saying. I'm saying they set up this entire relationship all season long for him to just like peace out at the end. I don't know. To me, that didn't really make any sense. I do think though, he also viewed Ryan as a threat though. Because him being a natural born hero, like there's going to be a case like, oh, I'm your father and how basically that genetic works. You're going to have the same power as me. You know? And as we all do, we got to deal with mortality. We get older. He's probably viewing it as Ryan is an eventual threat as well. But it's better to have the threat on my side than against me, especially if it's with Billy. Because he was, he was with Billy and the boys the whole time. Oh, you going you gonna to get that work. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. And it also looks back. Think about it. If Ryan somehow confronts him, learning how to use his powers, but it's still a kid, and Homelander somehow kills him. No one's gonna say Homelander killed another super. They're gonna say Homelander killed kid. So I kind of just wish yeah. they kind of left that out then. <laughs> if that was how if this is where we're gonna end up, but that's whatever. Um, as they end up, so everyone, so going to the end of this episode, um, Billy hands Ryan over to Mallory. Mother's monk goes back home. Uh, mm-hmm. What does Frenchie do? 
Does Frenchie leave? Frenchie, Frenchie and Kimiko go somewhere. Go dancing. Yeah. Yep. Um, and Huey, you know, tells Starlight, I'm gonna let go, but not of you, <laughs> which I thought was funny. Um, and I guess Starlight's still in the seven for some reason. Um, um and <laughs> The deep gets back in, but well, no, oh, yeah. A train gets back in, A-train. and the deep doesn't. Yeah. So sad for him. The Scientology guy dies, and mm-hmm. then Huey goes to the fake AOC <laughs> yeah. in her office um, to get a job to work for her to do things the right way. But we find out that she's the one who has been blowing people's heads up. Mm-hmm. And killing people. Yep. So, I love that it was her. Like, I don't know why she did. I, I feel like if I was a soup, I would not tell anyone. Like, mm-hmm. I would keep that stuff under wraps and then only use it for when it was convenient for me. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So, I I, I understand where she's coming from. <laughs> that makes sense I, I I get it, too. This, for me, goes back to from season one. Avat's whole purpose was trying to get supers and compound being some kind of way involved with the military and government. Mm-hmm. It just so happens that, you know, you know, Homelander's plan in a way almost expedited it, but then the reveal of um, them doing it in season two got revealed and so everybody canceled on the idea. But I do believe her character, you know what you see here in season one? was part of Vought's plan in the beginning anyway to get somebody they control in a um, position of power in the government. That way they could play both sides in a way like, yeah, we created supervillains, but we also we created the heroes, we created supervillains, but, and, you know, kind of playing both sides kind of thing, which a lot of politicians do. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the way they kind of hit it in a way was masterful in the editing because they did tell us in the head editing. You know, when they that um other female agent, her head was blown off like the first episode. Mm-hmm. It cuts right to her on TV screen in a way. Like he's oh. like, hey, who do you know who could do this? Who, who, who you know could do this? Boom. Mm-hmm. The next scene jumps and she's on TV screen. So I thought the the they the misdirection of who was killing these people was beautiful. Because mm-hmm. at the end of the well, episode six, when they go to insane asylum in a way, uh-huh. they will, you, there's a lady there who can kind of make people explode. Mm-hmm. And so I thought it was her. I see, yeah, I thought it was her because yeah. in that episode, she just kid strikes and gets in the car, you know, mm-hmm. something, oh, she's going to, you know, kill everybody. Though, mm-hmm. But those twists and stuff were ex- expertly executed. They hide that reveal yeah. to her last. I had no last, idea it was her. Yeah. The last so. But I kind of love that it was her. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I feel like, you know, people in government do work hand in hand with big corporations anyway. So yeah. again, that social commentary was just right on the nose. Yeah. I mean, it was, yeah, it was perfect. Um, yeah. Uh, that's why I'd say, like, to me, the boys is probably the best critique on modern society in a way. Mm-hmm. That kind of, kind of mask it in a way. But it critiques society, the world we're living perfectly, you know, and they kind of they sneak all those little, not theological, but ideological debates. They sneak it in. Mm-hmm. So, 
yeah, props to those writers, man, for doing it. Not just, yeah. you know, so. Yeah, it's definitely one of the best shows that is on. I, I think people might have not been hip to it, like, when the first season came out. But over time, people got hip to it and was just like, yo, this is dope. And it really is. I can't wait to see what's going to happen next year or next season. It's going to be crazy. Because everyone kind of left up on on a high note, kind of. Like, everyone was kind of hopeful by the end. Mm -hmm. So we'll see how that runs out (laughs) and ends up. So what are you rating this season of The Boys? Nine out of ten. Nine, well, eight, one point seven, and you know it shows for me. Like, as as I've mentioned before, shows with me is weird because I kind of don't like to hop on shows when they're popular and be disappointed. But mm. with this show and this season, I, every step of the way, I've not been disappointed. Is like even when I I don't expect a curve coming, I get surprised. When I expect something to happen, it happens the way I expect it to happen. Like. It like beats and exceeds my expectations more than any of the show I've ever watched in a way. So, and it keeps yeah. getting better. There's like no let off. Like it improves and it talks about like the people's ideology in a way that other shows don't right now. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. I'm gonna give this show, mm, mm, I'm gonna give it a nine out of 10. I definitely mm-hmm. feel like there were some episodes that were a little filler, a little bit. It took a long time for us. And then, like, at the end of, like, the last 10 minutes, it would give you, like, a hook to get you to the next week. Um, But I also feel like, because of how they released it, it, I don't know, it changed the viewing experience. Like, I don't know. I don't know. I can't say if it was better or worse than actually having all episodes available at one time. Mm. But, yeah, I think, yeah, I'm not sure how I feel about it still. But either yeah. way, it, it was cool. Like, I had something to look forward to. However, I was just like, did we need Did we need the, the week by week at play? I mean, I understand why they did it, and I completely agree with why they did it. But, like, for the viewing experience for me, I just, I don't know. I don't think it enhanced it at, for me. Because I still got what I needed to get from what they were trying to say. Like, and I still was able to, like, understand the messages that were coming my way. So it wasn't like uh, I needed time to digest it. It was just like, okay, cool. Ready for next week. But I do feel like social commentary and the characters in the writing really were perfect. So, 9 out of 10 for me. Here's my question for you, though. Mm-hmm. Do you, how was your viewing pattern for season one came out? Everything at one time, am I correct? Yeah. How was your experience watching that compared to this, though? I loved it. You loved it watching everything at one time? Yeah, it was exciting. Like, I don't know. I was like, I remember like hating when someone would call me to like do something because I was like invested in what I was watching and I couldn't, like, I, I don't know. I feel like because that's how most of our content is given to us, it's, you know, you binge it. You like, yeah. you make a whole day. I remember when Stranger Things season three came out, I took the whole day, got the snacks, like, you know what I'm saying? Like, it was an event. That's what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. Um, with the episodes, it kind of, you know, episode by episode, it kind of felt like 
I don't know. Everything felt a little bit... It, there wasn't as much anticipation, I think, from my side. I was just like, okay, cool. And ready for... Or like, wow, can't believe that happened. Now I got to wait a whole entire week to see the next episode. Like, it was just a little... I don't know. Like I said, I didn't hate it. it. Just it just did not enhance my viewing experience of the show, like it did the first season when all the episodes were available. I don't know. I to me, I feel different. You know, them not releasing everything at one time built up the anticipation for me to watch the show. Um, like every after this episode was done, I was like, oh man, there's no more. Like, I, I liked the anticipation of having to wait on a, a day or weekly basis to watch a show. So. Yeah, I mean, I get it. No, and I understand, like, if that's how you like, if that helped your viewing experience, then dope. I just know for me, like, because because television has become so cinematic and so movie-like, mm-hmm. you, you, you kind of, for me, I kind of take it as one, ti- one entire story just told over a couple of parts. So when I see everything at the same time, it, it's like, okay, well, yeah, this is, this is how the story's flowing. This is the first act and the second and the third, and then we're done. And then I have to, you know, maybe they'll have, there'll be a sequel in the next year and the sequel will be the second season or the third season or whatever. But like, that's just how I interpret it because most of these shows are written in a way where it's, it's, it's like one big story just told over couple of episodes like everything is cohesive so it's just my brain just thinks it's like that yeah great show i I get you like but i just to me to me in a way um you mentioned the cinematic experience and one part about cinematic experience is the communal aspect of it like going mm-hmm. to the theater with and anticipation, seeing the line of everybody like, yo, let me get a ticket for blah, blah, blah. Let me get a ticket for blah, blah, blah. And everybody going to the theater. And in those moments of certain scenes, you have the audience go, yo, that gas for, you know, that reaction, that reaction. I feel like releasing it show, especially how society is in way, how we're, we're all, even society to me is more communal because of social media. Mm-hmm. So as people like watching these shows, like you, as soon as like midnight hits, everybody's like, "Yo, new episode, boys out!" And people go to watch it, or you watch it the next day. But in that space, there's still a communal experience. Because when you go online, people are like, "Yo, you see what you know? This happened. This happened." Like I got you scroll through tw- tw- Twitter right now, and everybody was like, everybody's talking and celebrating how Stormfront got stomped out. <laughs> mm-hmm. In that scene, like though, like that experience, and, like. Had the show dropped in like one big old gulp, I don't think that communal experience would have been the same. You know, so there's two things. There's two things. You have the cinematic experience of the whole storytelling side, and you have the cinematic experience of the communal part to it of watching a movie. So, yeah. Okay. <laughs> um, I'm looking forward to season three. Um, they already announced Sean Ashmore is joining the show as um Hero Boy. Um, and the creator of the show, or showrunner Eric uh, Kip Reich, he kind of said he loves the way the comics kind of not just deal with the present but the past. Um, and uh, Laz Alonzo, who just played Mother's Milk, is interested in it as well because apparently this was always a plan to introduce this character. Um, and they were thinking ahead if the show gets continues 
he was like, he's heard discussion about it, and he said, um, it seems like every season, every hero or every bottom of the boys has their hero foil in a way. Like you saw, it's hero and it's um Billy Butcher Hollander season one, and then it becomes um Frenchie and Kimiko with Stormfront kind of and um was it what's her, what's her face? Sean Ashmore, little lamplighter. Like everybody mm-hmm. kind of had their um personal. I guess he's hoping he gets to interact with the person, especially revealing that Hero Boy takes place in the seventies. In a way, so that would kind of fit perfectly in Mother's Milk's age and the backstory that revealed the scene about his father. So, yeah, I want to see where that story comes and goes forward. And speaking on Sean Ashmore's character of um, Lamplighter, um, uh, Eric Kipright also said he, um, th- when they're writing the episode and season, they were sure that Lamplighter had to die because you know, he kills a bunch of children. Um, but they're like, once they cast Sean and watched his dailies, he admits killing him. But they were already deeply to the point of the scripts that they couldn't really change anything. But he said Sean's performance, and this is true, made him so sympathetic for someone who's done terrible things. And they're like, yo, Sean's angry, and they made the character awesome because they actually humanized our uh, lamplighter a lot more than all the other villainous heroes outside of him being made. So, like, he regrets like killing him off because he want, he really wish he could see his character evolution continue as a sympathetic person. Yep. I just want Kamiko to talk. That's my prediction for season three. <laughs> so, the, so, who knows? Vocal cords work. She, do, she can probably talk. Um, yeah. Yeah. yeah, so the boys highly recommend and cool. Mm-hmm. On to the news. Um, moving forward with a lot of news. Um, on Disney Plus, um, Disney decided to release Soul. Um, it's the only movie from Disney other than Mulan that was scheduled to come out within this year that they decided to just put on Disney Plus. Because I think the original intent was, was Soul was their whole Thanksgiving, Christmas release area. And they realized that's not feasible, especially now with COVID and also saying that because it's also flu season, COVID might be worse. So like, yeah, not don't want to risk it, especially considering most of Disney's films are family movies and a lot of kids and whatever. So they figured it's better off just to put on Disney Plus. Um, speaking of Disney Plus and your lack of content, um, the CEO of uh, Bob Kepchek, he said they're re- reorganizing the company to prioritize on the creation and distribution of content for streaming on Disney Plus. They're going to create a new media entertainment division group and they've tapped Kareem Daniel to lead the new division. Um, this has always been an issue for Disney with Disney Plus. I mean, they, they can exist with, you know, ESPN Plus and Hulu because I do have both those properties, but for Disney, they're the only streaming platform that didn't have original content on it they're relying solely on their library and the only original show we got on disney plus was the mandalorian so mm-hmm. yeah um, and unlike hulu which disney also owns hulu also had hulu also had original movies and original content so there's kind of a whole disconnect with their their plan for these properties um also um paramount pictures have hired adam and aaron need to direct the Lost City of D, 
a rom-com. Um, Sandra Bullock and Ryan Reynolds are tapped to star. And as you both know, they also starred on a, another rom-com called Your Proposal. So looks like those two are getting back together again cinematically. That's it for right now. Okay. Well, I think it's so funny that that's actually happening because once Ryan Reynolds married Blake Lively, him and Sandra were never seen again. <laughs> and I thought that was very interesting. I was like, you you. something's going on here. Anyway, so what everybody. did... <laughs> we oh, I was going to say, sorry. I was going to say, yeah. everybody in entertainment seems to have that work husband or work wife in a way. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, so, yeah. Yeah. What have I been watching? Mm-hmm. Man, I haven't been watching anything. I'm kind of done. With my viewing house now, eat lots of NBA finals. Shouts out to the Laker fans. The legit oh, so Laker sorry. fans. Yeah. I mean, you know what? The Heat, they exceeded my expectations for this team. These, these ragtag group of kids led by Jeremy Butler, you know, <laughs> they exceeded my expectations as they a Heat fan. Work. They put in work, you know. They did. So, you know, respect to, LeBron, uh, respect to LeBron, you know, respect to the actual Lakers organization, respect to the legit fans of the Lakers. Then people who bandwagon LeBron, I'm not, y'all don't get my respect because y'all, <laughs> y'all ain't deal with that grind of actually supporting a team through the highs and lows. You just hop on LeBron's coattails and ride a success. I don't like y'all. Don't talk to me. So, but yeah. Especially for like, like legit fans. I was yeah. saying, especially for like legit Laker fans and Kobe fans to have that mm. go full circle with his loss earlier this year. And kind of mm. to end, end the year with that team and that organization winning the NBA championship. So, you know, yeah. Yeah, it means a lot. It does. Mm. Um, I'm LeBron is my hero. I'm gonna just say that right now. Like I didn't I wasn't on his way for a long time because I didn't like him. I thought Kobe was like Kobe was my boo. But mm. the stuff that LeBron has done for like the kids, the city, for black the black community, like for society overall like he's a dope person and he married a brown skinned woman can we just talk about the fact that lebron james was like Mm-mm, we're not stepping outside of the circle like we're gonna stay we're gonna love our black women i am so My proud head. of him for that like what most of these celebrities sports stars politicians who are black are with lighter skin ethnically ambiguous women or white women and he said no 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 ma'am i'm marrying a brown skin woman and i'm having beautiful brown skin babies and i'm so proud of him like that's why he's my hero like that in conjunction with everything else like i'm just really i'm on his i'm not i'm not like a lakers fan because you know i i jump chip and i can't jump back but I'm a I'm a I'm a LeBron fan. I'm a LeBron fan for him just like putting in work, carrying teams, and just caring about society. Like he has my vote. He should run for president. Not now. Later. <laughs> I respect LeBron as an athlete. I respect his self-pleasant community. There are some parts of LeBron that I don't like in a way. But you know, I do respect him as an athlete. You know, I do, I do like have my Twitter handle saying right now, F LeBron, but that's that's more it's this a hater. Just a hater. It's not a hater, it's more so in this in this 
think it's the finals. I'm gonna hate on everybody. Like me, like Anthony Davis and that unit, bro, stupid. Like, oh, I'm, it's my marketing. Like, no, I don't know. like let's, let's be real. Like, he really and, needs to get rid of it. Like, come on, what is he doing? And, and the scope of like a sports person, like, and playing against LeBron, I don't like him. I respect him as an athlete. I respect what he does in the community. You know, but I'm not gonna like, you know, grab at his feet. You know, like other sports fans do. Not, no. He's only a man. <laughs> Anyways, <laughs> what have you been watching? So I've watched a lot of documentaries over this past week, and two of them, one that's on HBO Max by the people, which follows um, President Obama's campaign as he was mm-hmm. running for president. It was so good, um, and it made me feel hopeful. Like I don't know, this election has just been, oh, so draining and. Uh, irritating and annoying and just people grown men spatting at each other and watching that documentary made me feel good like just I remember like just a candidate who was about a movement like who was actually trying to do something in the world and who was like changing things I don't know that was like he was literally a symbol of change mm-hmm. and I thought I was like, dang, that's missing. Like, we don't got that right now. And it's really sad. So watching that made me feel better, <laughs> kind of. I'm glad that Obama's still around, but like. Um, so that yeah. note, like, mm-hmm. while you're talking about that, I'm not a fan. Like, I know I thought about it with The Rock a couple of days ago, revealing who he's supporting, who he's voting for. That's fine. I'm not a fan of athletes, especially prominent back Black athletes now revealing, or not even black athletes, black celebrities or celebrities in general, revealing this is the first time they're voting in an election. And like Shaq recently announced that this is the first time in like Shaq in like 40, Shaq's like 45, 46. Mm-hmm. Like or 46 years, whatever. But this is the first <laughs> time, you know, voting in an election. I'm like, bro, like you couldn't even get off your butt to vote for Obama at the time. Like the idea of having a black president is historic. And you're like, no, nah, I'm a chill. Like you don't get none of my respect for that at all. I'm sorry. <laughs> like, if that wouldn't get you to spoil a monumental, like, historic moment in mm-hmm. your life that you could tell your kids and their grandkids, oh, I voted for the Black president, you couldn't take your multi-million dollar fat ass and vote? And I'm saying this knowing damn well that I shat a couple of miles from me. I'm saying, oh my God, that's funny. Like, He's like, gonna come he, can, he can come out. He can knock on my door. You know, I'll tweet him directly. <laughs> Like you couldn't get off your butt and do that. That's embarrassing. And now you want credit for saying, "Yeah, I'm voting for the first time in this election." I'm like, that's sad. That's, that's sad. So, um, also speaking of voting, I watched another documentary on Amazon Prime called "All In: The Fight for mm-hmm. Democracy" about Stacey Abrams and that whole debacle that happened here in Georgia over her trying to become what was it, governor, mayor? It was governor. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, very interesting, but also just understanding how people have messed with our voting system for so long. It doesn't even need to be other elements from outside this country. People inside this country have been messing with it for years and making and trying to shut people off from voting and exercising their right to vote. And it's disgusting. And those people can go burn. Because, <laughs> like... Why people are so afraid of not winning, but I'm like, it's not even about you. Like, it's just about the system. It's about the the right to use your voice, go to the ballot box and vote. Like, why are you depriving people of that? 
It's because they're afraid like, oh, they're going to vote for someone else. And I'm like, and if they do, okay, that's how, that's how America works. Like (laughs) don't run for office. And you know what I'm saying? Like, what is, what are you expecting? You run for, you run for public office. You need to know that you have a chance of losing, like get over yourself. Anyway. (laughs) My thing with that is, yeah, please, everybody go out and vote. Like, Please vote. Um, so voting, voting, plan. voting and protests aren't an either or. They're a together thing. Mm-hmm. And I know people say voting doesn't matter because of stuff that's going on. Mm-hmm. But it wouldn't, if clearly voting matters if they go to great lengths to suppress your vote. Exactly. Exactly. Like if you go to North Carolina, they split, um, I think, North Carolina A&T in half into two different voting districts. So mm-hmm. school predominantly black and young can't vote for one candidate and take over a whole district. Like mm-hmm. you brought Stacey Abrams. That election was a joke because me and my dad, same name, same address. They removed me if I had to register to vote. They kept my dad because they thought, mm-hmm. no, he's trying to vote twice or he's registered twice. Not mm-hmm. having a common sense to look at dates of birth and social security numbers ties to the people. So yeah, but that, yeah, it's it's a joke. Yeah. It, so because there, there, there are, and this is why, like, not only voting people in your state, but like your elective, like, officials up in the hill, mm-hmm. because they're the people who are like allowing these, these um laws to be passed. Where there's a law that purges people. So, like, if you haven't voted in a couple of years, your name gets taken off of the voter registration list. Yeah. Um. There's people who don't have IDs, you know, because they're not from here or people who live on reservations who don't have like a mailing address. Um, They've passed laws to block people from voting because you need a voter ID to go vote or you need an ID. You need like a specific kind of identification in order to go vote. So you guys, we have to be aware of what they're trying to do so we can make sure that we're prepared when we go to vote and that our vote, that our vote actually counts. Yeah. And not just presidential, but your local election matter too. Yes. Because all the issues we've been having as a country with police and police brutality, that starts at your local. Mm-hmm. Some some counties you vote for sheriff. Like I think my county we vote a sheriff. Mm-hmm. Like you vote for the mayor, you vote for all the your county seat. Your people you will vote for your county positions, they put those people in power. So those, you know, your local votes that determine whether it's the school PTA vote and how much funding your teachers get for schools or whatever, all that matters. All that matters. Yeah. So. I also watched another documentary called Jackson, which is about the last, um, let me get this right, yeah. It's the last Planned Parenthood in um, Jackson, Mississippi, and how they tried to take that out. You know, all of the pro-lifers, and uh-huh. Republican Party, how they tried to shut it down, shut down that clinic, um, stop, um, you know, abuse people, all the other stuff that you see when people try to go, when women try to get abortions. Uh-huh. Um, and they followed a very poor Black woman who already had four kids and then was pregnant with the fifth kid and went to another service, which is like, a, which is funded by pro-lifers which basically tells you, like, not to get an abortion, but they do help, like, they give clothes and they give food and, like, they give support for women who are pregnant. Like, they give them another option. And one of the most powerful moments of that 
like I was shook after I watched this documentary because I was like, you know, I, I can't even, I understand like if you, that getting an abortion is a difficult decision. First of all, not your decision to make all the lawmakers and men and women who are yelling and screaming, like it's not your body. So you don't have the right to say anything. But also if you, if more people were like actually helping these women who got pregnant, like take care of their kids rather than just be like, don't have an abortion. And then also not teach sexual health, like in schools or any of that. Like they're all, there are no um, curriculums that teach that kind of stuff in the state of Mississippi. And yet they are against abortion. It's like, how do you say don't do this, but you don't even give the right education to like give women the options, you know what I'm saying? Like to not do it. Like, or, you know what I'm saying? Or like, here's a condom. Here's how it works. Like there is none of that. So I still think that there needs to be more services that help women who are pregnant, especially if they're single and, you know, um, they're in poverty in poverty. But it was so interesting because there was no real like villains in this, in this documentary. There were following two women, a pro-life woman who runs the center to help women um, not get an abortion. And then the woman who was in charge of the abortion clinic. And mm-hmm. there was a point in there where one of the pro-lifer went to go visit the young woman and she saw the circumstances she was living in. She saw the children and, and she saw that this girl needed help. And the documentary um, filmmakers were like, so what do you think? Do you think that she should have gotten an abortion? And she was just like, yeah, I mean, it's tough because like, I see how bad it is, but I just feel like it's about self-control. Like, I just feel like she's got to control that and you got to help them not do it. Like she was trying to go back and forth on her thoughts. Cause she was like, yeah, maybe if I told her to get an abortion, she wouldn't be in the situation or in a worse situation that she's got into. But they also had a conversation with the lady who runs the abortion clinic and some other woman who's also a pro-lifer. And they just had a conversation about their views. And it was cool. Like they were at their kids football, I mean, baseball match, and they were just having a conversation. And for me, I was like, that is what actually needs to happen. Because so often we're so ready to like write people off because we have views instead of just sitting down and being like, okay, this is how I feel. How do you feel? This is where I'm coming from. Where are you coming from? And we don't need to agree, but the fact that we're even sitting, now that you know what my perspective is, maybe you'll have a little bit of a perspective going into your decision-making instead of us like yelling back and forth and not accomplishing anything, except for just hating each other because we have different views. So that was very powerful. And I loved it because I was like, we need that. We need that. I agree with I'm not a person like once your your viewpoints encroach on my way of life, there's no there can be no equal animosity. Like me saying me saying we should be allowed to get abortions does not negatively affect your life personally, you know. But once you start, you know, how should I say it? Attacking me, then mm-hmm. all this uh, um I do I do think it's funny how the lady was saying she wish she told I had kids. It's kind of tough somebody oh, to practice abstinence and have safe sex after an adult. And that's part of the issue with the whole pro-life. A lot of people mm-hmm. don't agree in sex education. So mm-hmm. that's also part of the problem. 
And right. I don't I don't know why people don't like the idea of Planned Parenthood when Planned Parenthood does a lot of things but this the free count free county free county clinics do. Like mm-hmm. they don't just do abortion, they do actual free um doctor stuff like when you're sick, you can go set an appointment, mm-hmm. it. So it's like they're more than just abortions being exactly. done. Exactly. Right, exactly. So it was very powerful. Um, I recommend people go see it. Um, whether you're pro-choice or pro-life, I still feel like go see it because it was very, it was very moving. And the last thing I watched was This Is Paris documentary about Paris Hilton. Oh my lord, I was crying at the end of that joint, and I made a video, and it'll be, I don't know, somewhere. It will, it'll, it'll find its way somewhere on one of these platforms. But it's on my YouTube channel right now. And yeah, I was crying because it was just like, this girl has gone through so much. Like, <laughs> her life is very sad. Like, it was very emotional in ways that I did not expect it to be. Like, what? I've seen it. Unsympathetic. So, my thing of when rich people say they're sad, your sad and my sad are two different things. And a lot of my problems can solve with money. Your, a lot of your problems can be identified, but a proper self-worth. But guess what? I'm broke and I still don't have self uh, good self-worth. But at least if I had some kind of money, it'd make me feel a little bit better in a way. And I kind of don't because with, especially in her case, she's the one who created the whole influence Instagram yeah. or YouTube influencer lifestyle, which when a lot of these people talk about them being on social media as a celebrity just based on social media y'all talk about how they're depressed like yeah you created the need where you have to be like i said with kevin hart you have to be on all the time and mm-hmm. normally just don't function the way that way with a camera in front of 24 7 but you tr- you willingly chose to live like that so can i really you know you should watch it you and that's the thing okay, like I'll i think on, on the face of it it seems like okay like what do you have to complain about like you have money and status, like your privilege, like, come on. And yeah. then I saw that joint and I said, oh, okay, I understand. now." Because like I said in my video, if you guys want to watch it, on my YouTube channel, but um, it's, you know, people keep thinking that, oh, well, if I get some money, it'll solve my problems. Like I'll feel better because I have what I need and more. But yeah. You take someone like Paris Hilton, you take someone like the Kardashians or people like the Kardashians, people, so many of these famous people are extremely depressed, have a whole bunch of anxiety, have no self-worth, are addicted Mm. to all types of substances because they can't deal with it, right? They can't cope. And you think, okay, well, these people have everything. Why are they so, like, you know what I'm saying? Like, why are they struggling so much? But and it's yeah, because the money doesn't solve the problems. Like, it just yeah, doesn't. Like it won't. That, it does not. External things cannot fix internal problems. Like it just doesn't work like that. Yeah. That was what I was saying. Like, yeah, we're like, you're 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 sad as a rich person. You're sad because you're only depressed. I'm sad because my life is shit. There's stuff I need that I can't buy that I can't afford, and I'm old, and that that adds to my depression. Like. For, so for them, you think of this way, like you have two balls, one's bigger than the other. For them, their ball is just a depression. For us, it's like, I am broke and I'm depressed. Our ball is bigger. If I could just have the money, like my ball would be smaller. My focus is just to only have to worry about my depression, not having to worry about 
and not have to worry about everything else. And because they only, they only have to worry about their depression, I think for them, their issues seem a lot larger. But for us, because we're already used to dealing with that existential dread of depression and everything, for us, it seems normal to function in that matter. Because we don't have the money to alleviate some of the other needs we have. Just say, yeah. if you're struggling with something, like, get a therapist, <laughs> get on a plan to, like, yeah. seek counselor. Just because, yeah, like, a, a lot of the times you're not going to get everything that you want or feel you need in the time space that you think that you're going to get it. So instead of being, and it's something that I realized recently, instead of being like, oh, 2020's trash all my plans are trash because of all the stuff like I'm not able to do this and that that I planned I wasn't able to get a car or whatever like instead of focusing on on the things that you can't control focus on what you can't control and that's your own inner like inner happiness like that's your own barometer that you can monitor that shouldn't be based on external things anyways because a lot of times you end up getting those things and you still feel like mm, something missing because you know what actually needed to be fed wasn't fed. It wasn't fed by mm. the stuff. Even if even yeah. if it is meeting your actual needs, there is still that, it's still something that you have to do. It's still work that you have to do for yourself. You know, that's something. That's the moral story. Anyways, yep. I think that's it. I think we <laughs> talked and talked. I never know how to end this. I'm always like... Also, yeah. We're the SEO of the show. I feel like we we need like a jingle at the end of the show. Like, you know, Mr. Rogers had had a song or Glam Chop, if you remember, had a song. Like, the cue was to her leaving to make it not make it awkward. But yeah, no, this has been been fun. Hope, Hope you guys have enjoyed listening to us. You know, rants on the boys, and somehow the boys devolves into like her talking about documentaries and what they believe in. Like everything's kind of fit in a weird puzzle where we're talking about politics it's in the wrong way. The boys, everything's all the human experience. Yes. So I hope you had fun listening to us. Remember, yeah. as you've been saying the last couple days, if you're gonna vote, stay safe. Look up the candidates in your area. Know what they stand. Vote for people would not only support your views but it can help the country and the world as a whole um yeah so you give, give people close to you the flowers and each everybody you love them stay safe masked up and yeah, yeah. see you next well, week see you next week bye au revoir